Welcome to 52 Pearls, the weekly money wisdom podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm joined by Melissa Friedenberg, Pearl Planning Financial Advisor. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. (laughs) You're never going to forget our names because, of course, we're both named Melissa, children of the 70s. So each week we provide a bite-sized actionable tip that we hope will help you make better financial decisions. The purpose of our podcast is to accompany our weekly financial tips, which we call 52 Pearls. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to sharing along the way. Welcome to the 52 Pearls Money Wisdom Podcast. It's Melissa Joy here today, and I'm so pleased to be joined by Elisa Peskin Shepherd. She's a family law attorney and principal of Transitions Legal in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. And Elisa is a passionate and knowledgeable entrepreneur. She is specially trained as a family divorce and custody mediator, as well as a collaborative divorce attorney. Elisa helps families and individuals transition effectively and efficiently as they resolve the challenges of their changing family landscape. Elisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's so great to be here today. We wanted to get together today to talk about the modes of divorce because there are different paths that you can go down in terms of the process in order to get to um, the final division of a marriage or the end of a marriage. And you are a passionate advocate for collaborative divorce. But I want to talk about collaborative as well as just talk about the different options that people have when they're getting divorced. Okay, so what most people are familiar with is what I call court-based or litigation. When most people are familiar with the terms, I'm going to file for divorce or file a complaint for divorce. That That is familiar. Yep. Yeah, that's litigation. That's a court-based process for divorce. That's what most people are comfortable with, even though there are many disadvantages to the litigation process for people going through divorce in such a highly charged emotional stage. Um, And I'm assuming, though, that you're familiar with um, litigation-based divorce, that that's something that you do for a portion of your practice? Much of my practice right now is court-based, is litigation-based. And that's because the collaborative movement is getting off the ground and um, we're educating people more and more. This is an opportunity to educate people about their options when they file for divorce. So it used to be that a client would come to me and I, I would say it would just be norm. It would just be, okay, get the information, um, file the complaint, go through that process. Now, when a client first comes to me, I sit down with them and I discuss with them their different options of the ways that they can be divorced, how they can go through this difficult and life-changing process. So we start with, actually, some people come to us and they've already reached many agreements. So we call that a kitchen table settlement, mm-hmm. where the, the couple has sat down together and really they know their assets, they, there aren't any complications, and they really want us as, a, as the attorney to just draft the final documents and take them through that court-based process. If, if they're not able to do that, which most people cannot, then we're filing a complaint for divorce and we are litigating. There's also a mode which I 
am also a strong advocate of, and that is facilitative mediation. Facilitative mediation can occur before either party files for divorce. And that's where two people, the, the couple, are going to a neutral third party who's going to help them facilitate their divorce. That can be done with attorneys or without attorneys, but very often it's done without attorneys at a very early stage before they filed any, any paperwork with the court. And that mediator, and I'm trained as, as a facilitative mediator, doesn't represent either party and cannot represent either party in the end. When I act as a, as a facilitative mediator, I help the parties reach an, reach an agreement, resolve all of their issues together. I guide them. I facilitate their discussion, identifying what those issues are, and then prepare a memorandum of settlement through the mediation process. I refer them out to attorneys who are mediation-minded, who understand the process, to guide them through then the court process, to, to take them through the court process and draft the final legal documents that need to be done. Um, a mediator cannot also be your attorney. Just that's, those are um, our, our ethical rules and, um, and the state of the law. That makes sense. Can we talk about in a mediation? So there's some mediations with attorneys present. There's some mediations where they have not hired attorneys how often is it one versus another? Most often, and what most people are familiar with, is the mediation that occurs during a later stage of a divorce, during the later stage of a litigated divorce. So all, all divorces that are court-based um, must go through mediation before a judge will have a trial. Okay. So most people are familiar with that form of mediation where they already have their attorneys and they're they're going into a third party neutral who is usually an attorney mm-hmm. and most mediator attorneys run their mediations by putting the parties in separate rooms right do what I, we call shuttle diplomacy and i i'm glad you're describing how it looks and feels feels because i think that that is an important not just the concept but the actual what door are you going to be walking through is important for someone, you know, if you're sitting thinking about um, going through this process. So thank you. Sure. Um, and it, it's important also because you can choose a mediator with a different philosophy that might put both parties in the same room. So I do as an attorney, I explore with my clients um, to decide whether we want a mediator who is willing to put the parties in one room together because some real transformations happen when the parties are in the same room together. In I can imagine there would be emotions if you're in the same room, but also it might be less um, of a tug of war, perhaps. And sometimes you hear something differently that your spouse might say that changes your perspective and helps you move toward a settlement. That's really interesting as well. You know, the difference between seeing an email where you have to read and interpret the tone of voice versus the conversation and having, you know, full information of a conversation versus, like you said, the diplomacy where you get presented with, here's our proposal and and you make a counteroffer. Right, and if you're using the mediator as your translator, Sometimes you don't know exactly what they're saying. 
on the other side. But having done this for a number of years, although I really like the process when the parties can be in the same room together and hear information, um, by the time we're going to mediation in a litigation, in a litigated case, a case that's court-based, people have formed their positions and it gets to be very difficult to negotiate a settlement often with, um, with the other side because the attorneys become very adversarial. I mean, that's one of our roles is we're advocates and, and we are trained to be adversarial. And that's what makes the litigation process work, right? That's what, that's what some people want is that litigator who's going to be the shark and take them to court and, and do whatever it takes. So in the years that I've been practicing, I've found that it is less often that people want to be in the same, that couples want to be in the same room, um, or that attorneys even want to be in the same room. I mean, there's, there's a group of us, I would say before the collaborative process um, really took hold in our community, we were all very involved in the facilitative mediation process, which was the early stage mediation before parties were entrenched in their positions. You get a lot of um, the mediators who are doing the shuttle, shuttle diplomacy, keeping the parties in separate rooms. And in the facilitated mediation, it may be more likely that you would be in the same room or is that the typical? That is facilitative mediation. You're both going to be in the same room and it's early stage mediation. That's another way I differentiate it. It's, so you haven't necessarily defined your position or what you must have. And you're in the exploratory phase where you're trying to really identify what your needs are and what's most important to you. But you're talking about it with your spouse across the table. So you're figuring it out together. Yes. We mentioned in a podcast we did recently on mortgage and divorce how you don't need to just figure out what life looks like in, divided by two. You also, for each person, there is what does the future hold and how do the different decisions of asset division during a divorce impact your your quality of life in the future, your future financial life. So I'm always an advocate, and, and, and if you hear me repeating this, it's it's for a reason for people to bring in a financial professional. In some cases, you may have, um, the family may have a financial advisor who would disclose conflicts of interest involved with um, advising two people because there it is conflicted. And, and in some cases, um, you could not maintain, you know, kind of your standards. But um, in many cases, some people need to seek out a new financial professional to provide advice during and post-divorce. I, I often, even in my litigation cases, will have my client consult with a certified financial planner and one who specializes in divorce, especially like you, just so that they have a good picture of what their financial needs are. Um, you're absolutely right. There are so many questions that that people have, there are so many benefits of using other resources, other professionals to help guide you through that divorce process. 
And one of the things that is is challenging if you're doing it on your own or with the you know capable prof- professional assistance of your attorney is that you may be focused on one aspect of your life that really feels it either is something you can control or is just it feels like it's the most important thing to you. So I feel like there can be blind spots and prioritization that you may with the benefit of hindsight when you've had a year or two to, you know, decompress from the process, you realize, gosh, I would have, I wish I would have spent more time thinking about this or that. And so the objective professional with the financial perspective can help to both address the things that are most important to you, but also identify other areas that you may not have personally identified as being critical. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And I think that um, a good family law and divorce attorney is really going to have a bigger picture in mind for their client's benefit. So not just this snapshot of what their assets are today and how are we going to divide them, but have that perspective of down the road, what might they expect or what might they encounter and give them things to think about how their life is going to look like after the divorce. And I really do try to give my clients that kind of guidance. It's really powerful if you can work with someone who is thinking both in this moment of time the transactional side versus throughout time, which is, is more relational advice. We've been talking about these alternatives, litigation, facilitative mediation and mediation. And I want to really bring together that all of the benefits of each one of those, all the advantages of each area of those practices really is what led me to the collaborative divorce process. Perfect. That's what I wanted to get into the meat of our conversation. And I do think it's important to set the table with the alternatives first and some of the challenges to those alternatives. So talk to me about collaborative and and what does that look like and why is it different? Okay. So collaborative divorce, if you can think about it, it is divorce at a conference room table. Everything that happens in your divorce then happens outside of court. At the core of the collaborative process is an agreement that all of the participants sign that neither the lawyers nor the clients will threaten to go to court or resort to having the court intervene in their process while they're resolving all of their differences. And that's, it's really important because attorneys who signed the participation agreement cannot represent their clients then in court. So if the process breaks down, we can't represent you in the litigation. This really keeps your attorneys at the table negotiating longer. That's what we found through research. Um, The attorneys have to make a paradigm shift to really think in a different in a different light. It's so much, I will tell you, it is so much easier to say, forget this, let's just go to court and let a judge decide. I'm out of here, yeah. It is so much easier to do that. So it it is settlement orient, oriented. It is a contained process, but it doesn't make it any easier. In fact, I think it's more difficult because we are all motivated 
to stay at the table, to find a settlement that will work for all the parties. You don't get everything you need or necessarily everything you want, but you're satisfied with the outcome. And collaborative divorce allows clients to maintain control of the, of, of the outcome. And when they have control of the outcome, they are much more satisfied with what happens. So who are the parties that obviously there are the two parties who are going through the divorce? Who else is on the team for collaborative um, process? Right. So I'm glad you used the word team because collaborative is also a team approach to divorce. And some of the things that we've been talking about, consulting with a financial specialist while you're going through your divorce, the collaborative practice really focuses on each area of your divorce. A divorce is not just property. It's emotions, it's finances, and it's legal. And through the collaborative process, you're building a team of specialists in each of those areas that's going to help you. So the team consists of the emotional person, the person who's going to help you with your emotions, and that is what we call a divorce coach. It's a mental health professional. Sometimes there is just one mental health professional. Um, Sometimes, depending on the case and the family, we might need a mental health professional who's working with each party. Depends on how high the conflict is. If we can just have one, that mental health professional will deal with the emotional side of the divorce and will help the parties with chil- who have children design a parenting plan that works for their family. The other specialist on the team is a financial neutral, and that's a certified um, financial planner, usually a certified divorce financial planner. And that is the person who's going to work with the couple as a neutral in gathering all of the financial information helping to analyze the financial information along with the attorneys, talk with the parties about their budgets and expenses, and help with the settlement looking at what does each partner need? What does each parent need? Or the children, how are we going to cover children's expenses? Mm -hmm. Very different process than litigation where you are only looking at how little can I pay my spouse in spousal support, regardless of the budget, regardless of each party's budget. And I only have to pay what I have to pay for child support, regardless of what the actual expenses are of the children. The collaborative process allows us to look at what are your actual expenses and what what does each party need to survive to meet their budgets to meet a reasonable budget and what do the children need? And so we can look at each of those things separately. It's, it's really amazing. So what I hear you describing is something that has the potential to be more multidimensional in terms of its um, considerations, as well as perhaps being more thoughtful about the future, not just the present in terms of the outcomes. Yes. We really try to stay oriented on on the future and looking at what the family is going to look like later. By going through the collaborative process, families face fewer post-judgment issues. 
So um, one thing that people do often ask is, is it less expensive to go through the collaborative process? And my answer is, it's not necessarily less expensive. It is much more efficient because you're using specialists to work with you, gathering the financial information, helping you in that area. You're using a different specialist to deal with your parenting plan and any emotions that come up and underlying most arguments in a divorce is some emotional issue. Most financial issues are really underlying it is something emotional. And once we get at those emotions, we're better able to settle a case. So getting through those difficult areas with your specialists are really going to help you and save you money during the divorce, but also more, more importantly, post-divorce. Much of my litigation practice has to do with what happens after the divorce judgment is signed and a few years down the line um, when parents want to change a parenting time schedule. They don't have the skills or the resources necessarily to do it themselves. Through the collaborative process, the couple, they're learning new communication skills for their co-parenting, the co-parenting aspect of their life. And they know that if they want to change something in the future, if they have some issues in the future, they have their mental health professional, their divorce coach, who's already involved with the family, has already helped them through a very difficult time that they can go back to. And most of our judgments of divorce that resolve um, as a result of the collaborative divorce process contain a provision that say that the family, the, the parents will consult with their collaborative um, divorce coach prior to seeking any resolution in court. And most people are happy to do that. That's great because if you kind of have been programmed to resolve things through the courts, I definitely, you know, hear those revisits of, okay, we're back in court for this or that. And certainly the bills really do add up then, but also the conflict and the, you know, the, the dynamics are more confrontational and antagonistic, just like you described. Right. And you really, it's difficult to co-parent with somebody that you have all that animosity for. And also we have to keep in mind that um, the court system is not really set up for dealing with family issues, the, mm-hmm. the issues that your particular family has, especially when two parents don't see eye to eye, a judge or somebody at the front of the court is going to make a decision one way or another. They're not looking for how can we meet the needs of both parties and what is the best for this particular family. They have hundreds of other cases that they've either done or that are waiting to come in their door. So what is the quickest way I can get this resolved? And what is the way I've done it before for a multitude of other families? In the collaborative process, we're going to look at your family's needs. And we have that ability to be creative to to adjust what needs to be adjusted for your family. It, It makes a huge difference. If a family decides to proceed with a collaborative divorce, what will that process look like? Okay. The parties learn about collaborative divorce, either from each other or from an attorney or from um, a therapist or counselor. And once they've learned about the collaborative process, so the initial stage is really education. They need to Mm -hmm. learn about the collaborative process. Um, So I have met with an individual who's 
learning about divorce and I will talk to them about their options. And if they're interested in the collaborative process, I give them information that they can take back to their spouse. I also invite their spouse to, for them to come in together only so I can educate them both on the collaborative process. I'm not representing either party at that time. I just want to give them the opportunity to be educated about the process. Or I suggest that they go see one of the divorce coaches, often less threatening to go to a divorce coach to learn about a divorce process. And that divorce coach can educate them about that, about the process too. So that's the first step. Once you've decided that both spouses decide they want to um, go through the collaborative divorce. Everybody has process. to agree, right? Everybody has to agree. Both parties need to retain collaboratively trained attorneys to represent them. So people who, attorneys who are collaboratively trained have done the basic training. Both attorneys need to be collabor collaboratively trained and be certified in this area. Makes um, sense. Once the attorneys are retained, usually the attorneys will talk to each other to try to decide who the other team members should be. So if the case originated with attorneys, we're going to decide who would be a good fit for our clients in terms of a financial neutral and a divorce coach. Another team member sometimes that is needed is a child specialist. Mm -hmm. And that's just a person who brings the voice of the children into the room. Um, so that's always an option when people feel that they're not going to be able to agree on parenting time or that, you know, their, ch they, their conflict really focuses on the children. Most people come the, the collaborative route. Their focus really is on their children and they both want to do what's best for their children. They usually can agree on parenting schedules. Um, and it's usually the finances where most of the heated discussion is going to take place. Once we have a team assembled, we get everybody together, um, the entire team, with our clients, and we review the participation agreement together. And we all sign the participation agreement. We talk with an understanding of you know, the core elements that neither party will threaten or file a court action while we're conducting the collaborative case, while we're doing the collaborative work, that um, each party will be transparent and that there will be full disclosure. One of the cornerstones of the collaborative process is transparency. You have to, you have to be transparent about all of, all of the issues. You have to give full disclosure of what all of the assets are. And some people might be concerned, well, I don't believe my spouse will disclose all of the assets. And depending on the case, after a further investigation, well, maybe then collaborative is not going to be the best route for you to take because you have so little understanding or the way that your spouse has conducted business in the last 10 years leaves you really questioning. Right. So there's an element of trust and participation agreement says very clearly, you have to disclose all of your assets. You have to disclose all information that might be pertinent to the case. And it's easier if you think about it, um, if a client has a question, you know, do I need to disclose this? They can ask their attorney before it is disclosed to the entire group. The attorney can help you decide if that is something that needs to be disclosed 
or not. And if it does need to be disclosed, we have built a team that will help um, help you disclose that in the in the best way to keep the process moving forward. Perfect. So once the team is established and we have a participation agreement signed, the next phase that we go through is identifying the issues and information gathering. The couple will work with the financial neutral on gathering all of the financial information. And the financial neutral is sharing information with the other professionals involved. So the financial neutral um, has a meeting with the parties and reports back to the attorneys and the divorce coach as to you know what they've learned and what they've discovered and what their process is. At the same time, to also work with the divorce coach on their parenting plan. So that also can really be taking place before we have our second full team meeting. Kind of powwow to get yeah. pull everybody's ideas together. Right. We're gonna dis- we're going to decide in advance what the agenda is. And our agenda items come from the meetings that the couple has had already with the divorce coach and the financial neutral. And and so this is how we continue to move the process along really efficiently. So you don't have the waiting in court time that often increases litigation costs when you have to go to court. Um, That's what, when I refer to this process as being more efficient, not necessarily less expensive, but more efficient, that's a lot of what I was talking about. I'm not spending the time as your attorney gathering all of the financial information and wondering what information isn't being disclosed by the other party. I'm spending my time helping my client to analyze the information that we get in terms of their situation, their circumstances, my client's needs, and what is a reasonable outcome? What is a reasonable division? What what are the options that we have for a settlement? So that's, I can focus on what I'm um, mind is set to do with the analysis and the negotiation of a settlement agreement and come up with even creative opportunities in the process that where all of the issues and brainstorming ideas come out at the table. And so let's say you get to the point where everyone has agreed upon an outcome. How does that get legally bound? How does, is the marriage officially dissolved? So once there's an agreement, um, one of the attorneys will prepare, well, the attorneys together prepare the settlement agreement and it will be um, incorporated into a judgment of divorce. So the judgment of divorce is also drafted by the attorneys. And ultimately that is the document that is the official divorce. Um, So the attorneys draft the settlement agreement. The attorneys also prepare the joint complaint for divorce. So instead of it being, um, we've had recent changes in the law in the state of Michigan that really support the collaborative process, which is a a great thing. So instead of having to file a complaint and having, um, you know, husband versus wife, we file the collaborative petition that is party A and party B. So party A and party B are moving forward and want to divorce. And it's a summary process. We don't have to wait the six months that's required when you have children. 
mm-hmm. and we petitioned the court for to um, enter a judgment of divorce after we've waited the required um, 60 day um, statutory waiting period that that is still required even with a collaborative divorce case even if you've gone through the collaborative process but the laws now support and recognize that people who have worked through the collaborative process um, don't need that necessarily that cooling off period that the six month waiting period was really required for couples with children who are divorcing. We notice up um, a hearing with our judge to enter proofs to get their legal their legal divorce. Perfect. So then you have you still have those professionals to refer back to if there's disagreement. But at that point, kind of the process has been completed. Yes. So really important that you're, while, while, the, while the collaborative divorce attorney cannot represent you in litigation, we do represent you in, your, in the final steps that you need to take to make your divorce official. Well, that, first of all, you're speaking with such passion and what I hear from you as a professional who has devoted your life really to family law is a passion for the outcomes that you get with collaborative divorce. So thank you for sharing that. I think the way we've talked about it is very descriptive. Hopefully people can both see the ideals of each process as well as what it might feel like in action. I was reminded as you were talking about the outcomes of of what happens when you in a marriage did not have the responsibility for certain aspects of your life and then are changing for there's a um, movement in financial planning called sudden money um, that is championed by Susan Bradley, who I consider a friend. And Susan talks about how when you're going through a big transition in life, which we all do at different times in our lives and divorce is certainly one of them. If you experience it, that you are like a caterpillar who goes into a cocoon has the potential to emerge as a monarch, but there is that transitional process and, and it's not something you can flip a switch on and off. So having professionals to advocate on your behalf and help you through that transition is powerful. And I think that's where some of each of our passion lies in the opportunities and possibilities of being able to help people. Right. That's something that you and I definitely share is that, that goal of, helping people and that we're both, you and I are both passionate about that. I know that. Well, I want to make sure that people can find you. So we'll, we'll be certain to include your website and contact information in our show notes. Is there anything you want to leave us with before we go? It just, it's so important to be educated about what your options are if you've decided to get divorced. And the decision to get divorced is never made lightly by anybody that I've ever known, that I've ever come in contact with. So if you've decided, if you've made that decision that you do want to get divorced, just make sure that you become educated as to what your options are because it will affect the rest of your life. And especially if you have children together, while you can divorce your spouse, you don't divorce your children and you will always be a co-parent and you have to know how to change your relationship so that you can be good co-parents for the benefit of your children. That is a wonderful place to leave. I think that we both are 
passionate about being your own advocate and certainly educating yourself. You are responsible for your decisions as you're going through a divorce and you do not have to pass them off to anyone. So Elisa, I have a feeling this won't be our last conversation on the podcast, but I'm so appreciative that you've shared your wisdom, especially on collaborative divorce. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It was really fun. For more information, visit pearlplan.com or our Facebook page, Pearl Planning Wealth.